Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Let's stay standing, church, and just pray. And let's just commit our time right now together to Him. And uh, who's open to God this morning? Come on, let's pray. Let's just invite Him to speak to each of us this morning. Uh, God, we just thank You so much for this time that we have together. And Father, this time that we have to be in Your house. And we just know, God, that when we gather together in Your house, that Lord, You speak and you minister to us. So we just ask God that you would do something in our hearts and minds this morning. And Father, that you do something supernatural, Lord, beyond what's possible for people to do. God, would you do that work in our heart, Lord? And I just pray, God, that we would leave here this morning, Lord. Uh, Father, more in love with you, God, more passionate for you than when we got here. And may we spend this week ahead, Lord, drawing near to you, Father, and help us to continue, God, to do our best to be in your will for our life. And I just pray this message this morning would encourage us in that, in Jesus' mighty name. And the ninth throw said, Amen, Amen. You can take your seats, everybody. So good. Amen. Well, Great privilege to be sharing the word this morning, and um, this is a, a topic this morning that has been a big issue for me in my life, and something I've needed the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to help me get breakthrough in, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. But my, my prayer is that this morning, it, it challenges you, um, but encourages you as well, and helps you even from today as you leave church to make a great shift in your life so that you can see more of God's goodness happening in and around you. And so my message is called The Power of Shush. Very spiritual, very profound, but it's the power of shush. And so let's read some Proverbs together as we get ready to hear the word. So uh, Proverbs 13 verse 3 is going to come up on the screen. And it says this, Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 15 verse 2 says, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Proverbs 18 verse 6 says, The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. Verse 7 says, The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And lastly, Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. My tongue can take me to places that God does not want me to go. Your tongue can take you to places that God does not want you to go. Certainly that's true of real places and spaces, but certainly a place in your life, a circumstance, a situation, our tongue can take us to places that God does not want us to be. It can also take us out of places that God wants us to be. God can position us in a situation, a circumstance, an opportunity, and our tongue can take us out of the place that God wanted us to be. And I, I know this because I would consider myself a talker. Have got any talkers here today in the 11 a.m. service? Five of us, praise God. So, 
Um, I, my, my speech, my tongue, my talking has caused me a lot of problems. I have been someone who has been a quantity over quality type speaker. I will give you 5,000 words and eight of them were constructive. Three of them made sense and um, one of them was helpful. I don't know. It's just been a journey I've been on. And I need the grace of God every day when it comes to my speech. Um, I've suffered with something called foot in mouth, um, not foot in mouth, put my foot in it itis. But I've taken it to the next level where it's just not the foot, it's my, my whole leg in my mouth, socks and everything, where my speech has caused issues with people and, and um, situations in my life. Um, someone in church actually brought a, a truth to me uh, many years ago. I was on a trip with the youth team and I was on a six-hour flight with uh, one of the great girls in church, Larissa. And Larissa's next to me on this flight. We strap in for six hours and um, I just start going for it. As soon as we, we sit down, I'm just chatting away, chatting away, talking about stuff. And Larissa's listening. But you know when someone's just listening like, hmm, hmm, mm-hmm, sure, yep. She wanted out pretty much of the conversation. <laughs> and I'm just going for it. And I don't have the self-awareness at the time or the maturity to pick up on that. So I'm just going for it. And I'm yeah, beep, 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 beep. Um, and at some point, Larissa just goes, gee, you know, you don't always have to talk. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to press the attendant button and get him to move me. I was so offended. <laughs> but that was an issue for me. I was someone who would just talk. Now, our tongue can act as a sort of rudder yeah. for our lives, taking our lives and our minds and our faith and our emotions in a particular direction. And if we're not careful, it can be the tail wagging the dog. Um, if you've been hanging out with me lately, you know I've, I love that saying at the moment. The, the picture is that a dog should be stationary and its tail wags. But if things are back to front, the tail's stationary and the dog's wagging, which means the wrong thing is in charge. And that can happen with our words where our words influence what we believe of God rather than letting what we believe of God influence our words. It's the tail wagging the dog. And it's the wrong thing controlling the right thing. So here's my main point, everybody, this morning, is that when your feelings and your thoughts and your opinions don't align with the Word of God, there is power in the shush. When your feelings and your thoughts and your opinions don't align with the Word of God, could be time to have a season of shush. And this message is a part two of sorts of my um, previous message I did a few weeks ago about Caleb and the spies in the Old Testament. And that's a story of God's people arriving at the promised land, a place that God had prepared for them to inhabit. And as the story goes, Moses has some spies go into the promised land to come back and give a report on what they find. And the story is of two people or a group of people and Caleb seeing the same thing, but bringing back two completely different reports. Here's the important thing, church. Both reports were true. The group of spies focused on the reasons and why it was not safe, the reasons why it was not possible, the reasons why inhabiting it would not be a good idea. Caleb came back and he focused on the fact that God had prepared that place for them. 
as the story goes, they come and bring these two reports and it says that the spies that brought a negative report spread a bad report. So much so that it influenced the whole people of Israel to want to go back to Egypt. And if you don't know the story, they were slaves in Egypt. God miraculously brought them out of Egypt and they get to the promised land. But because of someone's negative report and then spreading a bad report with their words, they wanted to take the whole crew back into slavery. Can you imagine? It's the power of words. So what are we saying in response to God's word? What do you say in response to God's promises? Are you someone who speaks with faith or are you someone who speaks with doubt? And you might be listening and say, well, Jordan, I speak with facts. But I would ask you, which facts? The facts about God and His Word and that God is with you or the facts about why something's not possible. Because the spies certainly did spread facts but they spread the wrong ones. Whereas Caleb spread the fact that we can certainly do it because God has given us this land. What are you believing for in your heart, but are perhaps killing with your words? Words can negatively impact the work of God in you. They can negatively impact the work of God around you. And they can certainly impact the work of God through you. I'm constantly reminded of the the influence my words have, especially with my son, Micah. So Micah's like 20 months old. And if you have a small child or if you you have small siblings or work with kids, you know that your words and the tone that you say those words in, they fully receive it and it pretty much forms what they think about something. For example, you know, when you're feeding a small child, you say, Baba, this is yummy broccoli. And at first they're like, yeah. And then they lick it and they find out that it was, uh, you know, it's deceptive. No, I'm kidding. But I find with Micah, um, you know, with young kids, you've got to try and bring him on the journey with sometimes things. And so you, you want to get him to a certain place, but you know it's going to be difficult. Um, so you use your words. So I'll say, Micah, mummy, daddy and Micah, we're going to go to a special furniture shop. And he's kind of, and here's what he'll do. He'll be like, yeah. He's pumped. And so then I know, hey, I'm getting him on board. My words are influential. I'm helping him. And then um, the opposite's true as well. And so sometimes I might have a bad reaction to something, not realising he's looking. And then he'll have a bad reaction to that thing now too. And I'm also finding his words are influential on me. For example, I'll, like me and Bianca will say, hey, we're going to go to the market. We're going to get some things for the house. I'll go and let Micah know, Baba, today, Daddy, Mummy, Micah, we're going to go to a market. And we've got to get some stuff for the house. He'll go, no. Nah! And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't think I want to go either. <laughs> and then I'm like, babe, markets are off. We're not going to. But Mike has got this new thing. He's learnt the word nup, so pray for me. Um, and he likes to say it on repeat, so he'll be like, nup, 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 nup. Um, but I find that his nup often changes my plans. And I'm the parent, it's the tail wagging the dog. So I'll be like, Bubba, we're going to do this today. And the, or I'll say like about a food, I'll say, this is yummy sweet potato. He's like, nup. And I'm like, yeah, it's not actually that good, is it? Eh? I'll get you some cheese, you know, so. And, and that's cute and funny, like with um, <laughs> the influence of his nup. However, it's not funny when as grown adults, we're nup people. 
where we bring a nup to every situation. We bring a reason why not. Our negativity changes what people think and it changes how people feel about things that can be good and can even be God. When you're a nup person, it sucks the life and the faith out of every situation. And you know those adverts about certain clothing where it's like a hat for every occasion. You'll find people that have a cynical thing to say for every occasion. You'll find someone who's got something negative to say for every occasion. And that, you know, that might seem like it's a smart thing. It's not smart. We can have negative things to say at the drop of a hat for anything. What takes faith is to look for the positive, focus on the positive and draw on the positive. Don't leave the service today saying, Jordan told me to be like a dancing unicorn in a field thinking everything's beautiful and lovely. That's not what I'm saying. Both reports were factual. But it's just which facts do you bring everybody? Do you bring the facts about God and His presence in the situation or the facts about the negative things? And every group has those voices. There'll always be those people in a, in a group setting or in a team who bring the nup and it can affect the people that have a yeah. We've got to be careful, guys, about what kind of thing we are spreading and we've got to be careful about what we're connecting with people over. You know, it's interesting in a church setting, there are people here who I connect with and we have nothing in common except the fact that we want to champion His church and we love God and we, we want to support each other. But outside of that, we have nothing else in common. The same can be true in a negative sense where there'll be people that you connect with and when you think about it, the thing you connect over is that you both hate the same thing or you both don't like the same people or you're both frustrated at the same thing and you connect over that. We've got to be so careful, everybody, that we don't form connections over over cynicism and critical thinking. What's your connection over? Now, those types of voices, there's some good examples in Scripture. Um, one is Thomas, the disciple Thomas. There's a great example where Lazarus um, dies, a man who Jesus loved, a friend of Jesus. He dies and that news gets to Jesus. And, and I love Jesus' response. He said he, he was emotionally moved by it. He was sad, but he said, I am glad that you may believe. This was something that was going to be used to um, show Jesus' miraculous power. And it was an opportunity for God to be glorified. And Jesus knew that God was going to take this sad situation and use it for God's glory. But Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> so here we've got Jesus saying, I'm glad so that you may believe. It's a declaration of faith. Hey, I'm about to do something. God's about to do something. And then Thomas is there. We'll come to and we'll also die. And imagine being, you'd be some of the other disciples like, Ugh. Can we just drop him off in somewhere and leave him? Jonah had a similar, a similar thing here too. So Jonah, he's, he's a blessed man because he got to see God bring salvation to a whole city. But he had a, a different view on the whole situation. Let's have a look. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. God brings salvation to the city of Nineveh, but it says in verse 1, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. 
Can you imagine? He sees God in His mercy and His grace save a whole city and Jonah's like, I would have done it differently. I knew you'd do this. I knew you were gracious and merciful and slow to anger. I knew you'd do it. How cooked is that? Witness the move of God, the grace of God, salvation, but he thought, I would have done it differently. In fact, I'm so annoyed, just take me now. (laughs) Judas in the Bible, there's a great story of Mary doing an act of worship to Jesus where she pours a whole pint of perfume on him in an act of worship. And it's a beautiful story. And um, (laughs) Judas says, why wasn't this perfume sold? Give them to the poor. Straight away, it's like, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done something different. It's like, mate, Thomas, Jonah, Judas, they could have all benefited from a little bit of shush. When your feelings and your thoughts don't align with the Word of God, there is power in the shush. And you might be here saying, I'll keep an eye out, George, in those seasons where my thoughts and emotions don't align with the Word of God. I'll just give you a news flash. It's not a season. It's 90% of the time. I know for me, the majority of my day, my emotions and my feelings don't align with the Word of God. So what do I do? I need to shush. In those moments, I need to go, I need to not speak out my doubt, my opinions, my feelings. I need to listen to God. I need to believe God to to speak to my heart, change my heart. And you might be thinking, George, that means I need to shush like 90% of the day. Hey, I didn't say it, you did. Could be good. You know, there's a couple of people in the Bible who experienced the power of shush, and uh, we're going to read about one right now. We're going to read about Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. If you've got your scriptures, let's have a look at this. And this is great in the lead up to Christmas. This is uh, before the birth of Jesus. So let's have a look. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Here we go, Zechariah's big response. How shall I know this? Just pause there. Probably because an angel of the Lord has appeared before you and told you that. (laughs) How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I reckon he said this with a little bit of light. He's a little bit ticked off. 
I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realised that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Wow. Everybody, God removed his ability to speak and more importantly, his ability to voice further doubt in a season where God was doing a a miracle. Um, I was reading a, a biblical commentary on this and I liked this phrase. It said that his unbelief was silenced. Zechariah's unbelief was silenced. Why was this important and, and what is this saying to you and I today? I, I believe that it's saying that it's difficult for a miracle to be birthed in an environment of doubt. It's difficult for a miracle to be birthed in an environment of doubt. Absolutely, church, our speech influences our thinking and our speech influences our faith. And it's a little bit like that saying about what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's like that with our faith and a declaration of faith. Sometimes you make the declaration of faith and then your actual faith kicks in to believe it. Sometimes your faith to believe something kicks in so that you can declare it. But I can't tell you which one comes first. I think just whichever one you have, start there. But God is wanting to birth things in our life. And what that means is He's wanting to bring about great things, bring about miracles, help your life be fruitful, help your life be in His will. He's trying to bring about something godly in your life. And it's difficult for that to be formed in an atmosphere of doubt. Some of us need to stop voicing unbelief. We serve the God of the impossible. And with God, all things are possible. And I think that God still takes people's voices away today, but in a different way. Um, He may de-platform people for a season. And I don't mean in the social media sense, but I think that sometimes God removes someone's platform to speak into things because for what God's trying to do to come about, He has to remove that voice of unbelief from the equation. Let's look at what happens next in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. This is now the birth of John. So now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, not an iPad, um, and wrote his his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbours and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Love that church. In a demonstration of faith and obedience and testimony to God, his voice came back. I want to encourage you, don't let doubt have a voice in your life. Now that his voice was back, he used it to speak out in faith what God was doing. Everyone, when God makes a promise or a declaration, what do you say in response? 
when a, a leader or a pastor or a, a godly person in your life encourages you, speaks words of life over you, what do you say in response? I want to encourage you to have a response of faith. Like the chicken and, and the egg, even if you don't believe it yet, just say, Amen. Amen is let it be God. Let it be done according to your will. If I have someone encourage me and say, Jordan, you can do it. God is with you. Even if I'm like, I don't know. I won't let that come out. I'll say, Amen. Amen. My tongue is helping steer my faith. What's your, what's your verbal response to scriptures like, you are the head and not the tail? Sometimes it can be, oh, I don't know about today. Or we can get scriptures about, you are above and not beneath. You might say, not on a Monday. But scriptures like, that you are a child of God, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper that God will work all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. When you hear Scriptures that God has good works for you to do, which He has prepared in advance. When you read Scriptures about, about this, surely His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. What's your response? I want to encourage you, despite how you feel, have a response of Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because what happens as soon as the amen comes out, the amen comes out and then gets back into your spirit. And so your words come out. It's the rudder for your faith. goes back in. You get this beautiful cycle happening of amen. I'm now filled with faith to say amen again. Just give me more faith to say amen again. And you get this beautiful thing. All right. Another story about the power of shush is the walls of Jericho. So let's have a look in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. Verse 9, the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. In other words, God's doing a miraculous work and Joshua's instructions to everybody is, shush, until it's time to shout. I remember being at a youth conference and the preacher was sharing this story and he wanted to act it out with all the kids at the conference. So he's like, let's get the chairs and make a big wall. And so kids are stacking chairs and we make the walls of Jericho and everyone's pumped. And he's like, who's ready to march? And so, you know, as a young kid, you're ready to march. And uh, he said, hey, we're going to do what the Word said. We're not going to speak until that last shout. 
And so I, I used to think that the power was kind of in that last shout, but I actually think there's so much power in the silence before the shout. And I, I got a revelation of it when we did it in youth because everybody's like pumped for the first lap in silence, all the teenagers marching. And then as you keep going, you're kind of like, this is weird. <laughs> this is a bit strange. This is a bit lame. Can we do something else? And you kind of want to do something else. You're like, am I allowed to use my phone while we do this? Start chatting. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's lame too. Let's do something. You know, so I got a revelation that that's probably why they needed silence to walk around the walls. The instruction God gave them to get this miracle was a bit strange and a bit specific about the trumpets and all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine if they were allowed to talk for the seven laps? And you've got to realise it's a big lap. It's a whole city. So it's a, long, it's a long time. Can you imagine the banter happening? It would have just been like, this is absolute nonsense. What, what are we doing? We don't even have weapons. How are we going to, the trumpet's not going to open anything. They had to do it in silence so that they weren't walking around in unbelief. <laughs> like... Like Zechariah, I believe God sought to take away that voice of unbelief. It was a strange method. It was a strange method, but they needed to obey God. And they were able to get it done because they weren't doing seven laps of grumbling and complaining. You know, we, we live in an environment that our words create. There's a saying that is, it's, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. Um, and it's hard, and my version of that is it's hard to have faith when you're surrounded by doubt. And you know what's so interesting is that I, I've seen in church, I'm a, I'm a pastor at this church and I'm, I'm, I'm in leadership here. And over the years, there's things that our leaders have said, hey, we, we really feel from God to do this. And even being on staff, I've been like, it's a bit strange. I don't know. And I've had to learn in those moments to trust God using that leader and to trust my leader and go, I'm in a season of shush. I'm in a season of shush. My unbelief now is not going to be helpful. You know what's equally interesting is sometimes I am that leader. And so when I was running youth and stuff, I, I remember seasons where we would try something a little bit different. I felt from God, hey, we're going to step out and try this idea. And um, there's great people that will bring faith to that. But I remember also having people come up and being like, that's a bit strange. You know what happens to me as the leader? I'm like, it might be a bit strange, hey? I'm like... Maybe we shouldn't do that. And it's interesting how when I'm around people of faith, it helps continue to reaffirm that word I've got from God and hang on to it. But then also the opposite is true too, that we can actually, through our unbelief, cause people to second guess what God said to them in a, in a moment. So we want to bring, we want to undergird and help and bring faith to what God's trying to do and not be that person that's bringing out unbelief. It's great to have conversations, great to have discussion, but bring it with some faith. And equally true, church, is sometimes when you're trying to do something in faith, maybe God has put something on your heart to do, which to others seems a bit strange. Maybe even to yourself. Sometimes it's important to be quiet for yourself. But also be aware that there will be people who God is trying to do something in, in their life who need you to shush. And I have been that person before where I know that I've seen after the fact that God was doing something in their life. And I'm coming in with like, I don't know, man. That's a bit weird, eh? I don't know if that's going to work. And I've been that voice and I've seen the impact. I've had to repent for that, for the part I've played in spreading a bad report throughout the camp. We've got to learn, church, when to speak up. But equally important, we've got to learn, hey, when do I need to be quiet? Yeah. The important thing to do there, church, is to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Yeah. 
and to see, hey, are my emotions, my feelings, my thoughts and opinions lining up with the Word of God? And if they're not, I actually had um, one of the older ladies in church last service come up to me after the message and just look at me and go, how's that? Thank you. But I think sometimes we need that. I, I think that maybe that was God coming and she was using that lady to speak to me. But sometimes we need that reminder of, hey, this is a season to... Weird things are happening. God's moving. Just hang, hang five. God's got it. There's going to be a big shout at the end and we're going to play the trumpets. We've still got four laps to go. God was getting ready to do a miracle that could not be developed in an atmosphere of doubt. So Joshua wisely said, hey, no talking. What great work is God doing in your life right now that might require a season of shush? You don't want to doubt yourself out of, out of what God has said to you. I remember someone said to me something a long time ago. They said, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Essentially, what they're saying is sometimes you're in a moment of great faith, in His presence, in worship. God puts something in your heart. Then you have a three really tough weeks. You feel tired. Things aren't turning out. And you, you doubt in that moment what God told you in the other moment. We've got to hang on to that. And we've got to be a part of helping people be reminded of what God told them. There's a, there's a study that I read when I was um, leading kids church, uh, leading global kids. And I was, I was interested in like, how do I help the kids remember what we're teaching them about the Bible? And this study came back, they formed it on qu quite a few thousand people and they found that people will retain and remember only 10% of what they only read. It's just, this is general people of all the numbers. So you might be here and be like, oh, I remember 50%, praise God. This is just the average of the study. They'll remember 20% of what they read and hear. So if they're reading it and someone is, is speaking about it too, helps the retention. It goes up for seeing someone uh, demonstrate it to 30%. Then it jumps to 50% when it's all of those things. So they're seeing a demonstration, someone talking about it and they're reading about it. Goes to 70% when you then talk about it as well. And then it goes to a potential 90%. When you read about something, you hear about it, you see someone example it, you talk about it, and then you have a go. It goes up to 90%. And that, is, that study has pretty much just reminded us what Scripture's taught us all along. That faith comes by hearing the Word of God and that we're then to keep the Scripture always in our mouth, to be talking about it with our children and our friends. And then it talks about, don't just be a hearer of the Word of God, but be a doer of the Word of God. And there's an interesting Scripture in James where it talks about someone that only reads the Word but doesn't apply it is like someone who looks in a mirror, walks away and forgets what they look like. I always thought that was just the strangest Scripture. Anyone else think that was strange? It's so strange. I'm like, what does that mean? What the Bible's teaching us is that through the application of the Word of God, in that action, we're reminded, oh, that's who I am in Christ. So it's a bit like the chicken and the egg thing again, where it's like, hey, I've done the action without having the desire, but then the actions remind me, that's who I am, and it increases my desire. So reading the Word, hearing it, talking about it, then doing something about it, reminds us who we actually are. It's gonna help us not be someone who only perhaps does the reading, forgets, and out of our mouth comes something contrary to what God is trying to do. What are you believing for in your heart, but are putting to death with your words? Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You know, and you get to decide whether you eat a mango or a durian. 
based on what you say. You will eat the fruit. If you're talking bad things, if you're talking nonsense, and again, I'm talking to myself here. I talk a lot of nonsense. I've got to rein it in or I'm just going to be eating word durians <laughs> all the days of my life. <laughs> Church, as we get ready to wrap up, let me encourage you. Speak the Word of God over you, over your job, over your family, over your body. Speak faith heading into the new year. Use your voice your words to honour and worship God, to inspire others, to point others towards God, to bring faith to what is happening. I love that saying, don't make a decision in a storm. I would like to add to that. Don't make big, bold statements out of your mouth either. Also, don't make big, bold posts either when you're in a storm. But the statements thing and the declarations is so important because it is like that toothpaste analogy where if you take a thing of toothpaste and take all the toothpaste out, it's like nearly impossible to put it all back in. I'm sure some smart aleck person's found a way to put it back in. But for the sake of illustration, it's impossible. And it's like our words. Sometimes in a storm or in a moment of frustration or when we're just tired, we make this big statement. You can't take it back. And the problem with that is, is that the statement itself will get into your heart and your spirit. So sometimes in those tired seasons, those seasons where we're feeling dry, just have a season of You know, um, Pastor Jared, my dad's always encouraging us to, as a church, don't listen to yourself, speak to yourself. But he's always encouraging us, speak over yourself and to yourself the Word of God. We, we can't speak to ourselves what we've not first heard. So we've got to make sure, church, that we're having time when we're silent before God to hear from Him to read some Scripture and then just wait on God. Just sit silently. Try and get your own thoughts and opinions out of the way and just, just wait on God to speak to you. When your thoughts, feelings and opinions don't align with the Word of God, it can be a great season to shush. Just turn to your neighbour and say, shh. <laughs> Let's stand, church. Let's stand. <laughs> Let's stand. I love to pray two prayers this morning, church. We get ready to close. And I just invite Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.